The Tuffle Commute, Season 14, Episode 4, A Christmas Hotchpotch, in which they leave Sean in a Zoom room on his own. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tefl Commute. I'm Sean, one of the hosts, and at this point I usually throw over to one of the other hosts, but today I'm in our Zoom room all alone. It's that time of year when terms are ending and in many parts of the world the festive season is approaching, so trying to get the team together has been a bit like herding cats. However, in lieu of them being here, the team have all phoned in something for me to include in this podcast. So, welcome to the Tefl Commute Festive Hot Podge. A podcast for teachers in which the subject of teaching might come up. There you go, Lindsay. I murdered the tagline just like you taught me. Anyway, since I'm well, since they've left me alone, I guess I'm free to mess around with my special effects board, something they don't usually let me do. So let's begin by having a round of applause. And that round of applause goes out to our producer, the teacher James, James Taylor, who uh, recently won a British Council Elton Award for Excellent in Course Innovation for his part in um, a course book called Our Languages. So well done, James. So I guess the next thing we need to do is find some Christmas music. There we go then, some nice Christmas uh, music. Well, nice. Uh, it's got some sleigh bells in it and it's got a bit of a Christmassy theme and it was available online. Doesn't at all make me think of a drink. Right, <laughs> so I've got the music. What else can I play from my board? Oh, I know, I've got my uh, artificial voice, haven't I? Uh, and if there's one thing that the Tefl Commute crew don't like, it's me telling jokes. So let's put the artificial voice with some Christmas jokes. Here we go. What do angry mice send to each other at Christmas? I don't know. What do angry mice send to each other at Christmas? Cross mouse cards. <laughs> <laughs> What do reindeer hang on their Christmas trees? I don't know. What do reindeer hang on their Christmas trees? Ornaments. <laughs> what do Santa's little helpers learn at school? I don't know. What do Santa's little helpers learn at school? The alphabet. Hey everyone, producer James here to say thanks for listening and just to let you know that if you want to say thanks to us for all the episodes that we've given you for free, we'd be really grateful. We love making the show. It will always be free to you. But there are some costs involved. So if you'd like to help out, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Commute and buy us a coffee. I'm more of a tea man myself, but I'll still appreciate it. Okay, back to the show. Right, before James decides to edit me all out, let's get on with the show. And let's uh, introduce the first part. So up first up is uh, Sandy, who sent in uh, a part about being away from home at Christmas. So over to you, Sandy. 
So for my section of the episode, I'm going to talk about Christmas when you're away from home and what you do, uh, how you manage it, because I think a lot of teachers have had that experience of being away from home during important festivals and important events. For me, uh, Christmas is always a family time and it's also the one time in the year when I normally travel around England and visit my friends and so the times when I haven't been able to come back to the UK um, have been quite challenging and um, quite difficult for my mental health. The first time was my very first um, year when I was teaching uh, on a different continent Uh, I was in South America so traveling from South America back to the UK is quite challenging and uh, in Paraguay you celebrate Christmas generally on Christmas Eve which I think is the case in a lot of different countries Um, so I was very lucky to be able to spend Christmas Eve with some friends and their family and they really welcomed me and my colleague um, into their family for Christmas Eve but uh, I woke up on Christmas Day morning completely by myself. Um, It was 2006, so before internet was freely, like really freely available, although my family did manage to Skype me briefly, but my grandparents kept insisting that we put the phone down because they didn't realise how cheap Skype was. So I had a few minutes of... um, speaking to my family but the rest of the day I was by myself I discovered that the cinema was still open so I went to see two films back to back to try and fill my time and I had some chicken and chips from the food court as my closest thing to an English Christmas dinner but I was very lonely that day and I swore that I would never spend Christmas day by myself again Uh, Fast forward to uh, 2013 and I was in uh, Russia and I had Christmas Day at work. So we were having a Christmas party with our school and I had said to them that I wanted it to be on the 25th of December. So I spent that Christmas Day with my students playing silly Christmas games Um, And that was lots of fun. And I was lucky because I got back to the UK a couple of days later and we had a family party. Um, But uh, then uh, last year, COVID, um, uh, sorry, 2020, um, during COVID, um, I was supposed to be flying home um, on Boxing Day on the 26th of December. That was supposed to happen. Um, and then suddenly all of the flights were cancelled and I didn't get to see my family again for another nine months. I know that I absolutely wasn't the only person who was stuck in that situation, but it's I think it's particularly challenging being away from home during festivals um, and during those important family events. Um, What I found was that it was important to fill my time to try and see people, um, to to not be alone on those days. And last year, um, I was very lucky that various friends and family members invited me to spend part of the day on Zoom with them. And we weren't in a complete lockdown, so I did manage to spend a little bit of the day with a couple of friends who were also stuck um, and couldn't get back to the UK. 
But uh, yeah, I don't want Temple Commute to be a downer at all, but I think it's important for us to be aware of what some of the downsides of our job are potentially if we're traveling, if we're away from home and think about, you know, what can we do to help each other? You know, do reach out to the, the people who are away from home, who are away from their family. And yeah, and I think looking after each other, helping each other out is super important. So, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, I hope you enjoy whatever festivals or holidays that you have. Um, and I hope that if you are away from home, if you, that you're able to still spend some of the time uh, with your uh, with friends, with colleagues uh, online or off. Uh, enjoy your holidays if you have them. And if not, look forward to your next festival. "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When, what to my wondering eyes should appear, but a miniature sleigh, and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be Saint Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled, and shouted, and called them by name. Now Dasher. Now Dancer. Now, Prancer and Vixen. On, Comet. On, Cupid. On, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch. To the top of the wall. Now dash away. Dash away. Dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head, and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur, from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler, just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled. His dimples how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly, that shook when he laughed, like a bowlful of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him, in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head, soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all! And to all a good night!
for those of you who've been following the Tefl Commute or listening to the Tefl Commute since the very beginning, you may recognize uh, the angelic voices as those which used to introduce a section called uh, Facebook Philosophy, a section in which we basically poked fun at memes on social media that were supposed to be inspiring or motivational about education. The section I'm bringing to you here is called Words I've Learned on Social Media. And while it's not Facebook philosophy, I thought any any excuse to bring back the angel sound effect. So in this section, what I want to do is look at some words. Uh, the TOEFL community has always been uh, interesting words. Obviously, we're all language teachers. And if you look back over the seasons, you'll see many a section and episode that we've dedicated to them. So of late, I've noticed a number of memes in my social media feed that are vocab related. And that's all the excuse I need to make a quiz. So cue the angels once more. Get ready to answer these questions. All of which have appeared on a social media feed in the last few weeks. So question number one. What is a kakistocracy? I would repeat that, but I would probably get it wrong. So uh, I'm going to leave it. Question number two is language teachers, you probably are familiar with words like synonym, words that have similar meanings, antonyms, words that have opposite meanings, and even homonyms, words that um, have got similar spellings and sounds like bark or bark of a tree, bark of a dog. Uh, but do you know what a capitonym is? Okay, so do you know what a capitonym is? So question uh, three, part one. And this uh, question is based on something I saw on Twitter about Old English words to revive. In fact, we did a whole episode on Old English uh, one season or two ago. So what do these words mean? So if something is monsterful, what would we say nowadays? If it was monsterful, what would we say nowadays? What would uh, we say these days for overmorrow so overmorrow i'll give you a clue i could say it a different way when is overmorrow and a particular favorite of mine what are you doing if you're twattling all right question number four and this has only got uh, one part maybe the word orange has evolved over time and um, it was written with a, a letter at the beginning. So we've lost the letter that goes before the O of orange. What was that letter? And question number five, your final question. What do these words have in common? What connects these words? Are you ready? So vax. Allyship. Vaccine. NFT and perseverance. That's Vax Allyship, A W L Y ship, vaccine, NFT, and perseverance. There you go. Now you know I like my sound effects, so here's the thinking time. So question number one was what is a kakistocracy and this is a form of government in which the worst person the worst people are in power hmm, i'm based in the uk i wonder how i could have seen that word uh and that is a word i learned from facebook uh so second one also from facebook we've got uh we all know what synonyms antonyms and homonyms are 
but what is a capitonym? And a capitonym is words that share the same spelling, but have different meanings when capitalized. Mm, so there you go. So, for example, uh, Polish and Polish um, would be an example of that. Uh, question three, with the words from Old English to revive, I think the first word I gave you was monsterful. Uh, and we would say if, these days, if something was monsterful, instead we'd say it was wonderful. Uh, then I asked what over morrow is. Well, there's a morrow clue there. So it's the day after tomorrow. I definitely think that word should be brought back. And finally, if you're twattling, what are you doing? You are gossiping. Question number four, the word orange has uh, lost a letter over the time. What was that letter? Uh, the letter was N. Uh, so it was, it used to be spelt with an N at the beginning. And allegedly that's why words uh, like the Spanish word is it narancha. Like, apologies for my pronunciation. Still carry the N at the beginning. Uh, and that is uh, from the Language Nerds uh, website, which I think I saw on Facebook. And also if you go to that post, you'll find that there uh, they also say there are 24 words. We, we, Orange is famous for not rhyming with anything. And they suggest there are 24 other words in English that don't rhyme with anything. So you can go and find that out if you've got nothing else to do. And finally then, what connects or what do these words have in common? Vax, V-A-X, Ally Ship, A-L-L-Y Ship, Vaccine, NFT, and Perseverance. Uh, the simple, he said in inverted commas, answer to that is that they've all been chosen as words of this year. They're all words of 2021, depending on your dictionary. So, uh, Vax, uh, VX, was chosen by the Oxford Dictionary. Perseverance was chosen by the Cambridge Dictionary. And I think um, a part of the reason for that is because there was a, space, uh, a, a spaceship that went to Mars called Perseverance as well, and it fitted in with that. Uh, vaccine was the word chosen by the Merriam-Webster. Allyship was, uh, was chosen by Dictionary.com. And apparently this is a person who advocates for inclusion of a marginalized or politicized group in solidarity, but not as a member. And then uh, the Collins Dictionary chose NFT, non-fungible token, this uh, digital certificate of ownership uh, that has uh, been in the news of uh, this year. So they chose that as their word of the year. So there you go then. Uh, words that um, I've learnt off uh, social media in the last month or so. Hope you enjoyed the quiz. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous because I did a quiz. And as you shall see when you get to Lindsay's part, um, he talks about quizzes and what makes a good quiz question. So I hope I passed his test. Hey Commute listeners. Looking for ideas for the online classroom? Why not listen to Who's Zooming Who? Who's Zooming Who? This is a spin-off podcast for teachers teaching online in the current situation. Uh, we set ourselves a challenge to talk about a topic in 10 minutes. So our topic today is breaks. A uh, particular 10 minutes is what we're calling the lockdown syllabus. In fact, we're getting very meta. Our topic is Zoom. Today is online whiteboard. Who's Zooming Who? A podcast about teaching online. Available now from your usual podcast provider. You've left me two minutes. Thanks. I've left you two hours. Over to you.
So the first couple of times I, th I thought, like it kind of flashed up and I thought, okay, there's a jerk in here. Can someone please mute Sean? Many people have said that before. Recently, I was putting together the monthly newsletter for TESOL Spain. Um, it was the newsletter for December. And we have a theme every month, and the theme for um, December was the senses. And of course, as we were coming up to uh, the festive season, we did some crowdsourcing of people's different memories triggered by senses. And, and it was lovely. There were so many great stories that came out, so many smells, especially smells. The obvious, I think, like the cooking smells, but they were, they were from all over. So um, there was turkey, there was Brussels sprouts, but there was also all kinds of Spanish foods, sweet foods, um, the tastes of um, all kinds of Christmas sweets. Um, and, and it wasn't only Christmas and it wasn't only Spain either. Um, of course, there were wintry memories of frost and snow, um, but also summer memories, summer memories of um, December in Argentina, for example, with the beach and the sun and the smell of blossom in the garden. And, um, and it was wonderful to be able to just think about, okay, here, here I am in the Northern Hemisphere in the middle of winter, and um, there are all the other people celebrating the summer down in the south. And uh, so, you know, it's like, what's the festive season like in New Zealand? Or what's the festive season like in Chile? Um, but having said that, a lot of the shared memories were the same. It was um, childhood and uh, grandmothers cooking in the kitchen and decorations in the house and presents sharing and buying and and it really didn't seem to matter where you were celebrating or what you were celebrating um all of the senses just kind of triggered wonderful stories of of festive memories so um yeah you could give it a go as well um we suggested a lesson plan of um First of all, brainstorming the senses, the traditional five senses, then listing um, the, the sights, the smells, the sounds, the tastes, the sensations of the festive season, and um, then turning that into a short description, just a short kind of description of your sensations of the season. Um, and uh, I did, I actually then tried out that exercise with um, a group of teachers online in Peru, where um, December is possibly the best month um, weather-wise, uh, but it was uh, the memories just seemed to chime in so much with the ones that I'd been collecting in Spain as well. So the end of the year is a time for all the sort of end of year parties, before COVID that was, um, class uh, special events and various other class things uh, to do with sort of seasons, festivities, Christmas, etc. But what I wanted to talk about um, for my apportation is the idea of an end of an year quiz. Um, this is something I've always liked to do as a year was wrapping up with a class was uh, some kind of quiz, some kind of trivia quiz of things in the news or popular culture, um, making questions either with uh, 
a handout in the old days or perhaps more recently a Kahoot. Um, and I think this is something that lots of teachers do. So what I wanted to address in this segment though was making a good quiz question because I think this is something that is an art in and of itself. And any of us who have um, made quizzes will uh, have some experience in making quiz questions. But if you've been a quiz taker, you can often see what is an easier question and what is a harder question. So let, let's, let's take it from that angle there. When I'm making questions for a class quiz, these questions are made, if they're trivia questions, they're made to be answered. So by that I mean if you give a question that's way too hard and it's impossible to answer, it's not satisfying for anyone. So let's take an event that happened this year. I'm just going to pull an event out of the news um, that, for example, in November of 2021, Barbados became um, a republic. It stopped having the Queen of England as its head of state, and it, it got a president, and there was a big ceremony. And this may have registered on the news for some of your students, may not have, but it's something that was in the news. So here's an example of an unfair trivia quiz question, right? Would be something like, uh, in what month or what date did Barbados become a republic? Um, now that's kind of hard because the date, no one would really kind of remember that. Um, the month would have been one in 12 chance. And I think many students, if they were paying attention, maybe said, oh, wasn't it a few months ago? Maybe it was after the summer or maybe they didn't pay attention at all. So I would, if I was making a question where this was the f trivia fact I wanted to get, I would turn it around and I would give more information in the question. Um, and then uh, at the end, uh, they would have to guess something so it becomes easier. So instead of saying a question like, in what month or what year or when did Barbados become a republic, you could give some more information and do it like this. This country became independent from the United Kingdom in November 1966. Uh, and in November 2021, it became a republic, losing the queen as its official head of state and swearing in um, a new prime minister called Mia Motley, who also in one of the first acts named Rihanna as like an honorary member of this Caribbean country. Name the Caribbean country. So you see here, the question has become more interesting. We've given more information about it. Uh, we've given more details to it. And it's, uh, it's more of a chance now. There are several clues that the person might, uh, students might be able to uh, gain access to that answer via that. So um, if you're looking at making a trivia quiz questions, my recommendation for an end of the year trivia quiz would be to make the questions slightly longer, make them answerable by including more questions or more facts in the questions. And uh, yeah, look it up, uh, find some good trivia bits online and um, enjoy the end of the year activities, whatever you do. Thanks. Welcome to The Algorithm. The Algorithm brings you the best in example language sentences found on the web and language learning apps. Each is tailored and randomized, especially for you. Your sentence for today is... How many deer would a reindeer rain if a reindeer could reindeer? 
How many deer would a reindeer rain if a reindeer could rain deer? Hi everyone, this is producer James here. Regular listeners will know that I usually have two main jobs on this podcast. One is asking you to buy us coffees, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Tefl Commute. Your support is appreciated. The other is as the word master, where I dive into etymology and language. So as this episode is a bit of a hodgepodge, I thought I'd look into that word and other similar ones. Hodgepodge, which can also be said as hodgepodge, is first recorded in the early 15th century. It comes from the earlier Old French word hodgepot, meaning stew, soup, in which in turn became an Anglo-French legal term, meaning a collection of property in a common pot before dividing it equally. This plus hogpotch, which was a kind of stew made with goose, herbs, spices, wine and other ingredients, led to the modern word, which means a miscellaneous mix of stuff. This is an example of a placeholder name, or a cadigan. These are words that typically function as nouns, but are similar to pronouns in that they require a context to understand what they mean. Another example of a cadigan for stuff is bits and pieces, which I'm sure you are familiar with, and the meaning of this is pretty clear. But what about these other versions? Bits and bobs, which originated in the English Midlands and occasionally is used as a verb, as in, I were bitting and bobbing about all day. You can also say bibs and bobs and bits and bats. Another great expression is odds and ends, which originally meant points and ends, in other words, beginnings and ends, and is a phrase that has been around since Anglo-Saxon days. Other examples of cadigans include names like John or Jane Smith or Fulano or Fulana here in Brazil, numters like umpteen and geographical terms like the boondocks or the high street. And in design, lorem ipsum is the standby text that means nothing, that stands in temporarily while waiting for content. And what about other placeholders? Well, in English, we do have blivet, Dealybob, device, dingus, doodad, doohickey, doofunny, doova, fnord, gadget, gimi, gizmo, hickey, hoojmajigger, kajigger, nicknack, uja, ujamaflip, thingamajig, thingamabob, thingamadoodle, thingo, thingam, thingamy, thingy, thing thing, what's his name, what's a face, whatchamacallit, whatchamajigger, what not, what's it, whosie, whosie what's it, whoses, widget. Now, did I need to read all of those words? No, absolutely not. But did I enjoy it? I absolutely did. I trust you enjoyed this wordmaster on bits and bobs in a hodgepodge episode of the um, whatchamacallit podcast on whatever gizmo you used to listen to it. See you next time. And that's it. We're indeed coming to the end of our hodgepodge episode. Thank you to uh, James for explaining what hodgepodge or where hodgepodge came from and to Kerry, Lindsay and Sandy for their contributions. We'll be back together in a more regular format in the new year. 
I doubt they'll ever let me loose in a Zoom room alone again after this episode. Um, but as we come to an end, it's time to uh, cue the Christmas track and wave goodbye. What's that? One more cracker joke? Oh, okay then. Well, I wouldn't want to disappoint. Here you go. Goodbye. Happy holidays. What is the best Christmas present in the world? A broken drum. You just can't beat it. As your commute is coming to an end, here's an idea that you can take into class. Well, in fact, the whole podcast was an idea that you could take into class. You could, for example, use the Twelfth the Night Before Christmas poem by Clement Clark Moore, which we uh, we made using um, an artificial voice uh, as it's in the public domain. So you could use that as a listening. The students could listen and ask questions. You could even go online and find the text. Or you could do a lesson on advice or tips for people living on their own in your country, following on from Sandy's part uh, of the podcast. Or get the students to um, write about the sights and sounds and smells of Christmas for them, or, or a holiday for them, if not Christmas. You could take Lindsay's advice and get them to write a quiz. Or you could um, actually give them my vocabulary quiz and then get them to look up the words in the dictionaries. So, a number of things you can do uh, in, in class. But most of all, if you have a holiday coming up, make sure you enjoy it. You've been listening to The Tefl Commute, an original podcast produced by James Taylor and presented in no particular order by Kerry Jones, Lindsay Clanfield, Sandy Millen and me, Sean Wilden. <laughs>